Thanks for listening to the Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Life Church, visit lifechurchww.com. Well, God loves this church a lot. I'm going to tell you why. Because of the, the honor and privilege I have of introducing our guest speaker today, Pastor Jude Fuquay. And if you know how to spell his last name without seeing his name on the poster for the youth conference, you win the prize of the day. Which I don't know what that prize is, but it's something special. Pastor Jude is the youth pastor at the Father's House in Vacaville, California. He is uh, up at the Father's House. If you're familiar with that at all, it's uh, where Pastor Dave Patterson is the pastor who also pastors really my wife and I and has spoken at our church a, a few times and where he, he was the one that my wife and I were able to be with this last 10 days when we were in Israel. We were with him at, at, uh, in Israel with, with Pastor Dave and Donna Patterson. Well, that is his father and mother-in-law. He's been in youth ministry for 13 years in the thriving church there. He's 33 years old and, and he is the fruit he is the fruit of generational ministry because both his father-in-law and his mom and dad, they uh, are both pastors and his, his dad was in youth ministry until his mid-40s. And so, uh, June Fuquay Sr. And so we are the recipients really of a generational transfer fruit on Pastor Jude Fuquay. And he's got a rich word for us today. He is now a friend of the house at Live Church. So will you stand to your feet? Come on, Live Church, put your hands together. Welcome, Pastor Jude. Thank you so much. Hey, can we give it up for Jesus one more time? Come on. He's the King of kings, Lord of lords. The only one deserving of praise. Man, it is so good to be here. You could take a seat. Man, we love Life Church. Man, I just want to honor Pastor Bob and Kara. They have made us feel so welcome, so loved. And uh, I want to let you know that you have it good here in Walla Walla at Life Church. Sometimes when you're in it, it's hard to see it. But I want to let you know from the outside, this is absolutely an amazing, incredible church. And you can tell that just by the way that you worship, by the leadership of your pastors. And, and we got to spend time with them the last few days. And we were in their home last night playing mafia with the family. And uh, they're the real deal. They're the real deal, and uh, man, in a time and season where it seems like, what's happening with church leadership globally? Like, who can I trust? I want to let you know you can trust your pastors. They are so authentic, so real. They love people, and uh, I want to be like you when I grow up, a man's man, hunting elk and all of that. Um, that's what I want to do. That's awesome. He's talking about the prize you win if you can spell my name. The prize is you get to host youth at your home. <laughs> that amazes me. That is so awesome. I think about the kids in my youth ministry, and I'm like, oh, no, I would not trust them in anyone's home. <laughs> so you guys are heroes. Thank you for believing in the next generation. And uh, just these last few days, um, we got to see the next generation really encounter God. And uh, God is God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His promises and purposes always unfold from one generation to the next. So thank you for making a place for the next generation. Thank you for believing in the next generation. Thank you for speaking truth. Right now, there's an attack from culture against the current generation. 
There are so many lives being spoken over them. And I just want to thank you for being a church that speaks life and believes in the next generation. It's just so exciting to see all that God is doing. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. And uh, just seeing the, the next generation grabbing a hold of the call of God on their life. And uh, that is a result of your prayers. You creating space not only in this house, but in your house. Um, it's just awesome to see that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, like he said, I'm from the Father's house. Um, and uh, when I told Pastor Dave I was coming to speak here, he's like, oh, get ready. It is such an awesome church. So he sends his greetings, his love. He loves you guys. And I want to show real quick a picture of my family. And uh, yes, this is my family. That is my wife, Sierra. We've been married for nine years. And uh, that's Pastor Dave's youngest daughter. And so to everyone, our church is the father's house. To me, it's my father-in-law's house. Huh? That was good. Um, dad jokes. And I could tell them because I have two kids. That is my son, Jack. He's six years old. And that is my daughter, Lucy. They are absolutely amazing. They have another picture of them. Um, that's Jack trying to be a model, all cool. And there's Lucy. We didn't even tell her to pose like that. She just, she just has it. You know, a few months ago, we were getting ready for church and I heard them getting ready in their room and Jack was getting dressed and he said, Lucy, read the Bible to me while I get ready. And I was like, that's awesome. Um, he's like a, a mob boss or something. Um, but, but pray for them because they are pastor's kids. And uh, pastor's kids need prayer, I know from experience. Um, but they're good kids and, uh, and uh, they send their love as well. But today I'm excited to speak to you. So if you have your Bibles, would you open up to 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel. And uh, we're going to turn there. If you have a paper Bible, that's awesome. I'm going to read off of my iPad. I asked Pastor Bob if that's okay. And he said yes. And so... Um, we believe that the Bible is not just an old book, but we believe it's the living Word of God. And, and today we're going to open up the Word of God and say, God, just, just speak to us. And so today we are in 1 Samuel chapter 18. And, uh, and, and just so you know, context of what just happened, um, one of the greatest battles recorded in the Bible, most famous story, David versus Goliath, that had just happened. And so what we are seeing after this is the response to the young shepherd boy, David, killing Goliath. So uh, verse six, it says this, as they returned home after David had killed the Philistine, the women poured out of all of the villages of Israel, singing, dancing, welcoming King Saul with tambourines, festive songs, and lutes. In a playful frolic, the women sang, Saul kills by the thousand, but David by 10,000. This made Saul very angry, very, very angry. He took it as a personal insult. He said, they credit David with 10,000s and me with only thousands. Before you know it, they'll be giving him the kingdom. From that moment on, Saul kept his eye on David. And the next day, an ugly mood was sent by God to afflict Saul, who became quite beside himself, raving. David played his harp as he usually did in such times. And Saul had a spear in his hand. Suddenly, Saul threw the spear, thinking, I will nail David to the wall. David ducked, and the spear missed. This happened twice. And now Saul feared David because it was clear that God was with David, and he had left Saul. So twice, a spear was thrown from Saul at David, trying to kill him. And twice, David ducked and dodged. And not only that, it happened another time in the next chapter. So three times... Saul threw a spear at David. As I was praying and getting ready for today, 
What I'm praying and believing for is that today you will experience healing, you will experience restoration, you will experience freedom. And I believe by the end of the service, God's going to do a healing work on your heart. But I want to ask you this question. What do you do when a spear is thrown at you? What do you do when someone throws a spear at you? Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, we don't want to do anything apart from your presence and your Holy Spirit. So God, I pray right now over every person here, God, that you would do a healing work. God, those who feel bound, you would set free. And God, we just pray that you would speak to us today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have you ever done something and right when you do it, you're like, where did that come from? Have you ever said something and you're like, oh no, where, where did that come from? Maybe you almost got in a car wreck and what came out of your mouth was either a prayer of desperation or a string of four-letter words. I know in this church it was a prayer. But in that moment, you didn't intend to say any of those things. It just came out of you. I remember this one time we were at a theme park, and I was in high school, and I was, I was with uh, my parents. And uh, they had this kind of haunted maze ride, and it was in the theme of the movie The Mummy. It had just come out. And I grew up in a pastor's household, so haunted houses were a big no-no in our family. We didn't mess around with that stuff. But I was in high school. I'm like, come on, dad. It's just jump scares. Can we please go on it? So I begged him and begged him and begged him. And finally he relented. And uh, he's like, okay, we'll do it. And so we went on it. And uh, as we're going through it, like things are popping out and scaring us. And uh, my dad was walking in front of me. And here's something you have to know about my dad. My dad is from Louisiana. And uh, in Louisiana, they build them different down there. <laughs> It's a different world and a different culture. And so my dad's walking in front of me. We get to the end of the ride. And all of a sudden, this guy dressed up like the mummy jumps out and scares my dad. My dad, in that moment, without thinking for a second, makes a fist, no joke, and punches the guy straight in the face. They do it different in Louisiana. The guy's like, what the heck, man? Like, I'm doing this job minimum wage. You're punching me in the face. My dad didn't intend to do that. It just was a response because he got scared, freaked out. In that moment, there was a response. And, and if we're honest, all of us find ourselves in moments, not exactly like that, but moments like that, where in the moment we don't have time to think or logically decide. There's just a response that comes out of us. Usually in intense moments, trying moments, things that catch us off guard, usually there's a response that comes out of us. And usually what happens in that moment is a revealer of what's on the inside of us. It didn't come out of nowhere, but it actually came from the inside of us. And what we see in this in this story is a response from two different kings representing two different kingdoms. You see, one king was represented a kingdom that was built on outward appearance, the flesh, how good he looked, how strong he was. The other king represented a kingdom that was built on the heart. One kingdom was established by people and the approval of people. The other kingdom was established by God. 
One kingdom was built on feelings and desires. The other kingdom was led by the Spirit. One kingdom was built on disobedience. The other kingdom was built on obedience and repentance. One kingdom, the kingdom of Saul, was temporary. And the other kingdom, the kingdom of David, was eternal and lasted forever. I believe oftentimes in our life, our response falls into one of these two kingdoms. Either we are under the kingdom of Saul, being driven by our feelings and by fear, or we are under the kingdom of David. Which kingdom are you under? And we see in this story, there's two kings, but really the main character in this story is the spear. The spear represented two vastly different things to these two kings. You see, the spear to Saul was a weapon that he used to defend his kingdom. It was a weapon that he used to protect himself from any person that would try to challenge his authority or challenge his identity or challenge his purpose. It was a weapon that he held on to and ultimately a weapon that he used. So you have to understand this about Saul. The spirit of God had left Saul. His heart was completely off. And when your heart's off, your life's off. But I think that we see that Saul used this weapon and threw this spear at David. But it wasn't just something that happened in the moment, but there was a buildup that led to this moment. And I want to look at four things in this scripture that kind of give us an indication of what was happening in Saul before he did this. Because here's the reality. We've all thrown spears. We've all thrown spears. We don't want to. We don't like to, but we've all done it. So what leads to that moment? I think it's four things. First, it's what he heard. Second, it's what he said. Third, it's where he looked. And fourth, it's what he held. First, what he heard. It says that the women of Israel began to sing songs celebrating both David and Saul. When you look at the original Hebrew language, you have to understand that these songs were a song of celebration. They were saying, David and Saul together, look at what they can accomplish. Look at what they can do. But Saul, his heart was off. So his perspective was off. So instead of hearing the truth that this song was a song of celebration, what he heard was a song of comparison. If your heart is off, it will affect your perspective of everything that's happening around you. It will affect how you see others. It will affect how you process conversations. But it starts with the heart. The heart is the wellspring of where life flows from. So above all else, what? Guard your heart. Guard your heart because if your heart's off, you might be able to uh, uh, present yourself in a good way for a bit, but at some point, what's in there is going to come out. And at some point, it will distort how you view everyone around you. Let me say this as well. Don't trust your heart. It's like the opposite of every Disney movie you've ever watched. The Bible says the heart is above all else deceitful and corrupted. It needs healing. 
So when your heart's off, and what Jesus does is he gives us a new heart. He changes us from the inside out. But when your heart's off, it affects your perception. The second thing is that he began to speak in agreement with the deception of his heart. I want to let you know your words have power. We have the power to create. God spoke and the planets were formed. When we speak, we either create life or we create death. So I want to encourage you, be careful with what you come into agreement with. It says that Saul began to mutter under his breath. Man, before you know it, they're going to be giving the kingdom to David. He began to come in agreement with that lie. He began to speak it. Guard your words. Guard what you say about yourself. Guard what you say about your kids. Guard what you say about your family, your spouse. Guard what you say about this church. Guard what you say about the leaders of the church. Guard what you say about your boss. Why? Because it's one thing to hear something, but it's another thing to come in agreement with it. And so guard your words. I think it's interesting that it notes that he muttered it under his breath. Even the words spoken quietly still have power. Maybe you didn't yell at someone, but you walked away and you said some things under your breath. Guard your words. Guard your words. The second, it says that he began to put his eye on David. He was looking at David. His hearing was off. He came into agreement. And then he put his attention and focus on a person. Instead of having his attention and focus on God, he began to look at David and he thought, David's the problem. David's the source of all my problems. Be careful when you start making people the source of your problems. I'm gonna be 100% honest right now. More often than not, they're not the problem. I'm the problem. The problem, the problem is not there. The problem is here. Why would I look at the speck in someone else's eye when I have a plank in my own eye? They're not the problem. I am the problem. He began to look at David, but he really should have been looking at God. But his attention and focus was put on a person. And he began to look at him. And then in his hand, he held a spear. Whatever is in your hand, ultimately at some point will be used as a weapon towards others. Let me say it this way. What you are holding on to, you will use in the moment. Just imagine this scene here. Saul was in the throne room, surrounded by guards, sitting on his throne, king of the nation. He should have had a scepter in his hand. He should have been ruling and reigning. But instead of a scepter, he was holding a spear. And because he was holding on to it, he ended up using it as a weapon. What are you holding on to that you were never created to hold on to? You were created to rule and reign in this life. But too often, we give up the power that God has given us because we are holding on to offense. We are holding on to bitterness. We are holding on to prejudice. We are holding on to trauma or situations that happen to us. We hold on to these things, and the longer you hold on to something, the more that thing will get a hold of you and hold on to you. And instead of being the ruler of the nation, he actually sound, found himself in a prison because he was holding on to something. 
and he threw that spear. I want to ask you, what are you holding on to? Because whatever you're holding on to ultimately will be weaponized and ultimately will have power over you. Holding on to bitterness, C.S. Lewis says it's like this. It's like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. We hold on to it because we think it gives us power over that person who hurt us. But in reality, there is, it's taking control of us and it's putting us in a prison. What are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? Because we see David, the spear meant something completely different to him. To David, the spear was a weapon that was used against him and thrown at him. Just imagine David, young boy, just, just trying to do right by God. Was a shepherd, brought food to his brothers on the battlefield, fought Goliath because no one else would. Wasn't asking for attention, just, just trying to do the right thing, trying to be a good person, trying to be a man after God's own heart. But yet he found himself as the target of a crazy king who was throwing a spear at him. The spear wasn't a weapon that David was using, but it was a weapon used against him. How many of you have had a spear thrown at you before? Maybe it was a word said. Maybe it was something done. Maybe it was the fact that maybe your father walked out on a, in a young age and that just hit you at the core of who you were. You weren't asking for it. You didn't deserve it, but it happened. We've all had spears thrown at us. And think about who was throwing the spear at David. This was someone who he respected, someone he loved, someone he was willing to die for right before this. And now that same person was throwing a spear at him. So many of us, we're just, we're not looking for a fight. We're, we go around our life, we go to our jobs, we come to church seems like the fight is looking for us, especially if you look at these last three years. It's like, I'm not asking to fight anyone. I want peace. But there seems to be division. There, se there seems to be spear throwing wherever we go. David was just trying to be, do good, but he found himself as the target of a spear. Saul throws that spear at him. But right away, David's instincts kicked in. He was a warrior. He had been training his whole life. I imagine that spear, he sees it being thrown and it's just flying in slow motion. And he sees it coming and he just ducks, sticks in the wall. You know what I would have done if I was David in that situation? I would have pulled that spear right out of the wall and I would have thrown it right back at Saul. Self-defense. My dad said I could always defend myself. Can't start it, but you can finish it. Good dad. That's what I would have done. And imagine if David would have done that. David would have pulled the spear out. He's a trained warrior. He would have hit his target. Saul would have died. What would the people have done? They would have celebrated. They would have been like, finally, a real king. Finally, that mad king is dead. They would have celebrated. They would have sang songs. They would have put David on the throne. There would be festivals happening. And David would have been sitting on his throne, holding a spear in his hand. Because when you throw a spear at Saul, you have to become Saul. And if you establish your kingdom by throwing spears, you're going to have to defend it by throwing spears.
Anytime we choose to throw a spear back, what we are choosing to do is we are becoming Saul and we are deciding what type of kingdom we want to live in. Do not operate by the rules of culture. Don't do it. We have a higher way of living. What did David do? He ducked. Didn't let it stick into him. He ducked. He wasn't going to get hit. Don't let little words said stick. Learn to duck. Learn to dodge. Learn to give the benefit of the doubt. Learn to have grace. David ducked. And what did he do? He walked away. Man, this is very practical, but we need to hear this. If you feel like you don't know what to do or you feel under attack, one of the greatest things you can do in that moment is walk away. Before you post, walk away. Before you write that email and let them know what's up, walk away and just take a deep breath. He walked away, but then he came back and he continued to honor the leader who was trying to kill him. Because he understood how authority was given. It was given by God, so he was going to honor that authority. And it wasn't until three times he realized, like, okay, this is unhealthy. This is toxic. I need to walk out. Which boundaries, by the way, are awesome. They are great. And so he walked away. But how was he able to do that? How did he have the self-control? How was he able to respond with that eternal perspective? I think it's four things. First, I think it's this. First and foremost, he had a word from God. He had a word from God. It's interesting that what Saul heard was distorted by where his heart was at. But David had a clear word from God. There's something about going to the word of God and getting a word from God that sets your heart right. That provides a plumb line and an equilibrium and a foundation for which we can make decisions. You see, David had a word from God. If you have a word from God, it does not matter what you go through in this life, you can get through it. Why? Because there's power in the word of God. There's power when God speaks to you and you hold on to it. It says the word of God is like a double-edged sword. It is the greatest weapon you have is a word from God. When Jesus felt attacked and he was attacked by Satan, what did he say? He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you have a word from God? Because when you have a word from God, it helps you respond well. It comes out of you when you feel threatened or when you feel attacked or when you feel under pressure. The second thing that helped David respond in a godly way was he was led by the Spirit. When Samuel anointed David, said, you're going to be king one day, it says that the Spirit of God rushed upon him and was with him for the rest of his life. The battle we are fighting is not physical. People are not the problem. That person at your job is not the problem. Your boss isn't the problem. Your spouse isn't the problem. This is a spiritual problem. This is a sin problem. We live in a broken world and we must understand that we are not fighting a physical battle. So physical solutions will not fix the problem. This is a spiritual problem battle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers in the spirit. So you have to understand that you are fighting a spiritual battle. Therefore, you need spiritual weapons. 
So I want to encourage you, one of your greatest spiritual weapons as a believer is prayer. When you feel threatened, when you feel attacked, when you feel like you don't know what to do and the pressure's on, one of the greatest things you can do is pray. Before you post, pray. Before you go and watch this person's point of view about it or take in this media or turn on the news, pray. Before you have that conversation, pray. Before you go to work, pray. There is power in prayer. It's not just positive thinking, but something is happening in the spirit when we choose to pray. Parents, pray for your kids. Pray for your family. Guard your family. Learn to worship. Worship is also one of the greatest weapons we have as believers. When we show up on Sundays, we are not here to just spectate. No, we are here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to encourage you. If you feel like you are under pressure today, one of the greatest things you can do is worship. If you feel like you're in a valley or a dark season, praising your way through that brings freedom. There is freedom in your praise and in your worship. David understood that he was fighting a spiritual battle. So understanding that, he knew that Saul wasn't the problem. There was a greater enemy. So he wasn't going to fight with physical terms. He wasn't going to throw the spear. He was fighting a spiritual battle. The third thing that David understood is that he knew from experience, spears do not win battles. Just right before this, he was facing Goliath. Goliath came at him with what? A sword and a spear. But what did David say? He said, I come at you in the name of the Lord. Our battles are not won by our own efforts or our weapons. They're won by God. God is fighting on our behalf. I want to encourage you today. You are not alone. God is fighting for you. And any victories we have in this life, they do not come from us. They come from God. They do not come from an outward temporary solution. They come from God. He brings the victory. And if he brings the victory, then we can rest and put our trust in God that he's going to take care of it. What I see in culture today is so many people are living so anxious and frantic because they are trying to fight all their battles and make all the wrongs that have ever happened against them right. As believers, we get to sit back and trust that God is fighting on our behalf. It says that Jesus is in heaven right now interceding on your behalf. What is interceding? It's standing in the gap. Here is the enemy trying to attack us. Here's Jesus defending us and here we are recipients of the the fight that Jesus is fighting for us. So I want to ask us today, do we trust that Jesus is fighting our battles? Do we trust that victory comes from the Lord? Do we trust that God is the God of justice? Do you understand what I'm saying? Justice does not come from us. Justice comes from the Lord. I want you to think about that. Like, man, if if they don't apologize to me, if they don't ask forgiveness, then I, I can never forgive them. What we're doing in that moment is we're taking our trust off of God and putting it in someone else. And even if they never apologize, I'm gonna forgive them. Why? 
because I trust God. I trust that justice comes from the Lord. And then we could believe this, that in the end, all that is wrong will be made right. God is a God of justice. God will deal with it. We don't have to. We can trust him. David understood that spears don't win battles, but God does. He trusted him. And lastly, he understood where his authority came from. He was truly humble. His kingdom wasn't given to him by man or by a person. It was given to him by God, through God. If you get power from men or people, then those people will in turn have power over you. But when we receive our power from God, absolutely no one can take that from you. I want you to hear me. When you receive your peace from God, it doesn't matter what anyone says to you. It doesn't matter what happens to you in this life. Everything can fail. But when you've received it from God, no one can take it. When you've received joy from God, no one can steal that joy from you. I don't care how they treated you at work. They can't steal your joy because they didn't give it to you. Let's not, look for pe- let's not look for things from people that we were only meant to get from God. David understood where his authority came from. Don't let others rule your life. Let God rule your life. And the band could come up. We're going to end. So because of these things, what did David do? He ducked. He dodged. He walked away. And he didn't throw the spear back. We got to stop throwing spears, church. We need a church that stops throwing spears. We're in a battle. We're in a fight. But we cannot fight like the world. We got to stop throwing spears. Because you see what happened? Saul threw spears. But what happened when Saul died? His kingdom ended. His kingdom started and ended with him. No legacy. When David died, his kingdom continued and is still continuing today. I love this. 2,000 years after David died, his lineage was still progressing. And then in a small town of Bethlehem, A savior was born named Jesus and one of his titles was what? Son of David. Jesus was a part of the lineage of David. He was a part of the kingdom of David, a kingdom that is eternal, a kingdom that's built on the heart, a kingdom that lasts forever, a kingdom that is spiritual. And at the end of Jesus's life, I wanna read one more scripture We see once again two kings representing two kingdoms. We see King Jesus is in the courts of Pilate. Pilate was a king that represented, once again, the kingdom of Saul. He was a part of the Roman government, which established its kingdom based on power, military might, and had to defend that at all costs. It was looked on the outside, not on the inside. It was the kingdom of Saul 2.0. So we see an interaction between Jesus and Pilate. It says this, he entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Sometimes the best answer is no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have the authority to release you or the authority to crucify you? 
And Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it was given to you from above. Jesus in that moment could have snapped his fingers and Pilate would have been done. Pilate didn't realize that. What Jesus understood is the only power that Pilate had was the power that he gave him. I want to say this to you today. The only power that people have over you is the power you allow them to have over you. What do you allow people to have power over you? You don't have to. You can walk in freedom. Pilate wasn't going to send Jesus. He didn't have the power to send him to be crucified. Jesus was the creator of the universe. And I want you to get this. He willingly went to the cross. Sinless perfection went to the cross and was nailed to the cross and died on the cross for my sins and your sins. And what happened when Jesus was on the cross? It says that they took the spear and they stabbed him in his side. I want you to hear me today. Jesus took the spear in his side so that we can walk in healing and wholeness. If you have been wounded by the spear, Jesus was wounded so that you could be healed. And Jesus laid down everything at the cross so that we could find everything we need in him. So I want to ask you today, have you been to the foot of the cross? Because at the foot of the cross, you will find healing from bitterness, offense, trauma, brokenness. Some of you have been walking with it since you were in junior high. It's time to come to the foot of the cross and find healing. But you must get this. We can only come to the foot of the cross empty-handed. So if you are holding on to something today and you want to experience the healing of the cross, what you need to do is come and lay everything at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because he gave everything for you. And in turn, letting go, you will find what you've been looking for. And we can walk in the kingdom the lineage of David because Jesus gave everything for us. So I want us to stand to our feet today. I'm going to pray over us. I want to ask you this question. Every person in the room, is there anything you need to lay down at the cross that you're holding on to? Are there spears that you've been holding on to that you need to lay down? And the second question is, do you have any wounds that need to be healed? I believe there is healing available today because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. Would you lift your hands in the air and close your eyes? Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that brings healing and hope and redemption. And right now, I just pray for the blood of Jesus over every person here. God, over their mind, over their heart. God, any wounds, any bitterness, any hurt, any pain. God, I pray that you would do a healing work right now in the name of Jesus. God, I also that you would make us aware of anything we're holding on to that we need to let go of and give to you. God, we want what comes out of us to be the spirit of Jesus. We don't want to respond or react like Saul. We want to be like David. So God, I pray the Holy Spirit would empower every single person here. And God, I thank you. What you are establishing is an eternal kingdom in and through them. God, what you are establishing is generational. I feel that really strong right now. Some of you have carried things from one generation to the next. It can stop with you right now. You can have freedom and healing right now. 
I sense in someone's family, you've been passing spears on, you got them from your parents, and inadvertently you're passing them on to your kids. Right now you can lay that down and you can say, Lord, forgive me. God, I forgive them. I, 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 I honor them. Let go of all bitterness, envy, strife. Give it to Jesus. And I believe he is doing a healing work and there is an eternal kingdom being established. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jude. Love you. Tell Pastor Jude you love him, will you? We love you guys. What a word. What a word. I just want to take an extra moment. Can we take a moment this morning? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray one more prayer. If you know you're not right with God today and you need to get your life right with Him, Jesus said it like this. You must be born again. If you're not sure if you're born again, this is your chance to say, Jesus, I repent of my sin and I ask you to forgive me and I want you to be the Lord of my life. If that's you and you know, Bob, I've got to get my life right with him. I, I need to repent of my sin and I need to make him the Lord and the Savior of my life. Then I want you to agree with me as I pray this prayer on your behalf. Jesus, I come on behalf of my friends today that say, I need you to be my Lord and I need you to be my Savior. I repent of my sin. I turn away from my life of sin. I turn away from it and I say, Jesus, I turn to you today. I want to be what you said we must be and that is to be born again. I want to be born again. I want you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. I want to be made right with you. So I ask you today, will you do that in my life? I pray all of this in the matchless name of Jesus. And everybody shouted amen. Can we give Jesus a hand clap today? We love you, Lord. Come on, give him a real one. We love you, Lord. He's so good. Thank you for listening to the Life Church podcast. We want to help you on your journey of finding the life you were made for. Please visit lifechurchww.com to take your next step and connect with us.